have for weeks now been in a series uh, called Church Unleashed, and uh, it's the series that keeps on giving. It just it just it keeps on going, and uh, so this is uh, another part in Church Unleashed. We've been pulling uh, this series from Acts chapter three. Acts chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, it's really key, he used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is really what we've been talking about in this series is where has the wonder gone? Where has the amazement in the church of Jesus Christ gone? In the book of Acts, the reason there was wonder and amazement is that there was once a man that was crippled from birth that used to sit at the gate begging, and now he's up jumping and praising God. Friends, that's what the church is supposed to be about. It's life change. It's, it's, it's measurable change. It's obvious change. We've, we've said this is that The church is meant to be a church unleashed, not tamed, not domesticated. To to be domesticated means this, to bring to the level of ordinary people. If you've been following the series, it's my worst nightmare. (laughs) To be brought to the level of just ordinary, just the same thing over and over and over again, just doing church, going through the motions. Many of you, I'm sure you've experienced this in your jobs or your relationships. Just you, you go through the most. I'm telling you, you need, a, you need a life and a love that's unleashed. That's, that's really what I want to spend time today is it's Valentine's Day. I, I want to talk about a, a wild, unleashed love. Love. Some of y'all getting really excited about that. Just like unleashed love. I, I want to go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 is an interesting passage of scripture. It uh, obviously comes right after John chapter 11. But what happens in John chapter 11 is Lazarus dies and Jesus shows up and raises him from the dead. Pretty, pretty substantial miracle that happens in our Bibles. And uh, Lazarus is late, raised from the dead. Mary and Martha, Lazarus, Lazarus' sisters are excited. They were grieving. Now they're rejoicing. John chapter 12 rolls around. And we pick up the story. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Now, if you remember about Mary and Martha, Martha was always serving. This is where you found Martha. If you're looking for Martha, Martha was serving. In fact, this is where we remember the story. Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Right? These, there'll always be needs. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. It says Mary had chosen the better way. Martha is serving while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, which that's just so cool. Lazarus was dead. Now he's chilling at the table with Jesus. I mean, they're just like, they're eating Chick fil A, which I should never say Chick fil A on Sunday because now y'all hungry for Chick fil A and it's closed on Sunday. It, he says, Reclined at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. It's an interesting name for an expensive perfume. It's, it wouldn't be very marketable right now. It's like, baby, can you give me some of that nard for Valentine's Day? It just doesn't, doesn't work well. She poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. 
But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. That's interesting, isn't it? Judas, he's all upset about Mary's great sacrifice, not because he actually cared, but because he helped himself to what people were giving. You you, you always have to be careful for religious people. Religious people always want to get in your business about how you're serving or about how you're unleashed or about how you're loving, and it's usually not with good motives. Judas's motives were not right, yet he objected to the outlavish gift that was given to Jesus. Throughout the scriptures, you consistently find Mary where? At the feet of Jesus. All throughout scriptures, there's three different occasions in scripture where if you're looking for Mary, you're going to find her worshiping at the feet of Jesus. If you find Martha, we know she's serving. If you find Mary, we find her worshiping. And I was thinking this week, I was thinking if there's, if there's something that could be said about me as a posture before Jesus, wouldn't that be incredible that when they say your name, people think, oh, they were at the feet of Jesus. If people thought about you, they said, that's a man of presence. That's a woman of presence. That's someone that worships. That's someone that loves with all their heart. They love Jesus with all, all of themselves, every part of who they are. And I I found this to be true uh, about the scripture, is that when when a theme is repeated, it bears heavy weight. So Mary is at his feet. She's at his feet. She's at his feet. It's it's repeated. This, This is her posture. You could say this, that she's in love with Jesus. That she truly has an unleashed, unhindered, untamed, undomesticated love for Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not, but love, all kind, especially romantic love, it'll make you do crazy things. If you've never done a crazy thing because you loved or thought you loved someone, then just get ready. Because at some point, you're probably going to look back at your life and have some type of regret about how you acted some way when you were in love. I I remember Jamie and I, when we were dating, um, I was 25, we were dating, I still had a curfew. (laughs) True story. And uh, yeah, my parents helped me out with that. And and, uh, so our curfew was midnight. And, and, And I wanted to spend every last, I didn't want to miss a minute with Jamie. And so I'd be at Jamie's house and it'd be like 11:45 and she's like, "Do you think you should go?" So I'm like, ah, "I got time." I knew how long it took me to get from her house to my house. The only problem was there was one red light that if it turned red, it would stay red for it was not motion detected. This is like this is like country. And uh, it would stay red for like minutes. Those those minutes are precious. When you're in a hurry and your curfew is midnight and you left at 11.51, because that's when I needed to leave. And if I left by 11.51, I can make it all the way down her hill, around through the city, up on the hill where we lived. The only problem was this light. And I'll just tell you, love makes you do crazy things. I just figured I would rather spend a couple extra minutes with Jamie and run the red light <laughs> than I would... Than I would like leaving. I could have I could have left five minutes early and cruised home in comfort. No no pressure, no stress. Stop at the red light. Stop for a snack. Still get home on on time. Be okay. But instead, every second was precious. 
So 11.51, clicks in. I jump in the car. Sorry, I got to go. And she's like, I know I told you to go five minutes ago. I know, I know you want me to stay, but I have to go. Jump in my car, took off, cruised through town, down the hill. Here's the stoplight. I saw it turn red. You know, it happens sometimes. You look both ways. And, and um, I'm not going to tell you if I went through it or not, but the moral of the story is love makes you do, love makes you do crazy things. You know, it's interesting we talk about a domesticated church or a domesticated love. It's interesting even in our relationships, love can get boring. We we can begin to be familiar with something that we were so crazy about. This happens with people when they date. They're dating. They're crazy. They throw all reason to the wind. It's like this, everyone's telling you, I don't think you should date this guy. This guy doesn't look too good. This guy literally, I don't care. I'm in love. Like, you don't even care. Then, 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 like, marriage happens. Marriage happens, and funny how marriage domesticates a lot of people's love. They used to be so spontaneous, crazy, reckless. I mean, dates consisted of multi-stop tours along the city. I mean, like, dinner was not one stop. It was like three restaurants, appetizers, dinner, dessert. I mean, you stand up as a light. And then you get married, and it's like 7.30, and it's like, it's getting pretty late, isn't it? <laughs> About to call it a night? Let's door dash. Let's, it, it, it changes. Not that the love really has changed that much, but over time, what was what's reckless what was once outlandish, if not tended to, can become familiar. And my concern is in our relationships with each other, in your relationships in your marriages, with your spouses, also in our relationship with our Savior, that if we're not careful, that we don't tend to the love, that it would become a familiar, domesticated, cheap type of love. You know, it's interesting, the posture of everyone in the room in John chapter 12, the posture of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, is reclining at the table, is what the text says. Lazarus, I mean, he was dead. For four days, Lazarus is dead. And he's just like, man, thank you, Jesus, appreciate that, man. That was, that was, that was a close one. Gates of hell opened up, I mean, was, that was close. Woo! And I saw my whole life, no, my life did flash, it ended, dark. No light at the end of the tunnel, like it was over. But thanks, man. Pass the rules. That's Lazarus' posture. There are disciples there that are reclining in the house. Some say there was Pharisees, religious leaders, that were gathered around as well, and they were there with the rabbi, with the teacher, who had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And Martha's doing what Martha does. Martha's serving, making sure everything's right, making sure Lazarus has extra breadsticks. And Mary moves her way through the, the crowd, past Lazarus, past Martha. You know, I'm just going to tell you this. When, when, when a real, true love captures your heart, you're going to have to make, make space in your journey for the people around you. You're going to have to move around them. You're going to have to just look at them, look them in the eyes and just say, excuse me, I've got things to do. Because people will not always agree with your love. People will not always agree with your commitment. People will not always agree with your reckless abandonment. There will always be people trying to get you to have logic in your love. But I'm going to tell you this, a true love sometimes looks illogical. True love sometimes looks outlandish. And Mary makes her way past Martha, past Lazarus, past the disciples who are all somewhat familiar 
with Jesus. And the text says that Mary went to Jesus' feet. She got down on her knees and she had a bottle of perfume. This is what we read in the text, the nard. She had the, the premium nard. The nard of the day was there. And, uh, and, and she had this. And, 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 and this story goes on that she begins to anoint Jesus' feet. This was the chapter after Lazarus is raised from the dead. And we have people already familiar with what he did. I'm going to tell you this is God's moving. Whether you can see him or not. God saved our lives. He's redeemed us. He's transformed us. And I want to caution you on this Valentine's Day not to get familiar or stale in your love. Not to become Lazarus that reclines at the table or Martha who tries to make Jesus her duty. But to be a Mary who never loses the impact or the reverence or the honor of who's in the room. Who's in the room? John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me just ask you a question. Can anyone tell that you're a disciple? Can, can, can anybody look at your life? Can anybody took a look at your, your love and be able to make a determination? Are you a disciple? Not what you know, not where you went to college, not your degree. Do you love? That's what, he, that's what John 13 says. This is how you will know. This is the chapter after our text. John 11, Lazarus is raised from the dead. John 12, Mary anoints Jesus' feet. John 13, Jesus says, this is how you'll know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to give you a couple of thoughts about true love. I mean, real love. This will speak to your relationships. It will speak to your marriage. But mostly... It's going to speak to your relationship and connection to God. True love. What is true? True love doesn't care what others think. Uh, you ever seen like a young couple in love and like they are oblivious that you are there? You know, like I remember being at the airport. I was going to catch my flight and got newlyweds on the shuttle on the way there. Uh, and, and I'm sitting there and they are sitting there. There should be two seats. They're on one seat and they are in love. I mean, it's just like the, the shuttle's like fogging up. I'm like, <laughs> they don't care. I'm, I'm like, I'm right here, y'all. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like I wasn't even there. I, I wonder what it would be like to be so captured by love that you just didn't even care anymore what people thought. That, that's, honestly, this is what Mary had. She didn't care what Martha thought. She didn't care what Lazarus thought. She didn't care what the other disciples thought. She said, I've got a job to do. Excuse me. And this is the problem is most of us love the opinion of others more than we love God. And that's why it has such pressure or such hold on our lives. True love doesn't care what others think. The reason that we care what other people think, people think is because we actually value their opinion more than we do God's. True love doesn't care what other people think. 
Mary passed the reclining disciples, sneering Judas and serving Martha, and made her way to the feet of Jesus. When you really give, your el- give yourselves over to a love, a true love, you'll stop caring what other people think. You, you'll start worshiping differently. You'll start, stop giving, you start giving differently. You, you will start preferring others differently. It, 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 it'll actually change the way that you live. But for most of us, even though we have people that we love and the Savior that we love, we care too much and we love the opinion of others too much and we love ourselves too much that we want them to approve of us. So we, we hold back our love. I'm going to tell you this, when a true love really grips you, you will stop caring what other people think. I can always tell someone that's been saved from something great because you can tell in the way that they worship. You can tell in the way that they respond to God. You can tell people who've received the grace of God because they worship God differently. They love Him differently. Why do you worship the way you worship? Because they love Him so much because they're so grateful for everything that He's done. They don't care what you think. This is, some people judge other people on how they worship. And my, my, my question to you would be like, do you know their story? You might worship like they worship if you'd been saved from what they'd been saved from. You might lift your voice like they lift their voice if you had been rescued like they had been rescued. We judge each other's story and we judge each other's love. But what I love about Mary is she didn't care about anyone else's opinion. She had a job to do. She honored the man of God that was in the house. She honored Jesus. She had reverence for Jesus. And she said, excuse me, Lazarus. Excuse me, Judas. Excuse me, Martha. I've got to get to the feet of Jesus. Mary so honored Jesus that even though she was giving him her very best, this is what the text says, She poured it out on his feet. In Jewish custom, a lot of traditions even today, a lot of societies even today, the head is what is held in honor or reverence. So you would think if Mary was giving the best, I mean, like this, this, the the, the scholars believe that this one jar of perfume would have cost a year's wages. Or if you want to say it in, in, in U.S. dollars today, in 2021, probably between 36 and 46 thousand dollars. In one jar of perfume. For Mary, that had to have been everything. She gave Jesus. Now you're thinking, if you gave that much, you might as well pour it on his head. She felt that her best was still beneath his head. She anointed his feet because she so honored him that even her best didn't deserve to be poured out on his head. Mary had this reverence for Jesus that is so precious. And it's convicting. That Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I measure my service to God. Oh, I've done this for you, I've done this for you, I've given up this, I've given up this, I've given up this, so I deserve. Mary didn't do this. Mary said, I'm going to give my very best, and it doesn't even measure up. But it's the best that I have. When you really fall in love, when you're truly in love, you don't care what... Other people think. Judas was sneering. Why are you giving this to Jesus? She didn't care what he thought. Because she truly loved Jesus. True love will always cost you. You know, it's so crazy. We get in relationships, our, our, our dating relationships, or marriage relationships. And the number one goal for us is like what we feel and what we get out of the relationship. 
which is exactly the polar opposite of what love is. I'm not saying you shouldn't have preference. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have standards. I'm saying that we should understand what love is. Love is not gaining for us. Love is giving. Love is selflessness. Love is wanting the best for other people. Love will cost you. If if you are loving someone or something and it's not costing you, I doubt that it's really love. Because when you really love something, you will give to it. I remember on Jamie and I's second anniversary, our second anniversary, our our, our 14th anniversary is this week. And um, on our second anniversary, I was ready. We had just moved to Texas, and I thought, man, I'm going to do it right. Second anniversary, and uh, I'm like, man, we had no money. Like, no money. And uh, I said, it's, it's all right, man. I'm, I'm going to dig deep. We use the credit card. It's fine. And uh, true love, man. It's going to cost me something. Definitely some interest as well. And I said, man, we're going out to the nicest restaurant in Dallas. So not only that, we're going to get dressed up. I mean, like, dressed up, dressed up. And um, Jamie, you got to get dressed up for tonight. Like, I mean, woo, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And, and, and not only that, I called my buddy, and I uh, didn't have enough money to rent something, didn't have enough money to buy something. So I said, hey, will you let me borrow your yellow Corvette? He's like, yeah, man, you can use them. I'm like, oh, yes, yes. So I pull up in front of my house, yellow Corvette. I'm decked out, man, black suit, just looking like James Bond. I'm just, my gosh. Just looked in the mirror. I was just like, man, she's lucky. I just... So I went in to pick her up, and she's, like, trying to get her high heels on. And I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just getting ready. I'm like, you see the yellow Corvette? And she's like, whose is that? Like, Jamie. It doesn't matter whose it is. It's me and you, baby. We're taking over Dallas. Let's go. Look at you. Look at me. Let's do this thing. She's like, please do not wreck that. I'm like, wreck? What? What are you even talking about? Like, so we, we, on our second anniversary, before we even left, we got in a fight. We're arguing. And you know what I recognized? Is that I set up the perfect anniversary for me. That the way I loved her was by giving her everything that I wanted. Nice car, dress up, nice dinner. Let's go. You know what she wanted? Sweats in a movie. Do you know how much money I could have saved if I would have known this earlier? I mean, I'm out there on credit trying to please this woman, and all she wants is sweatpants and a movie? Tell you what, you know what's interesting is that we always give love the way that we want to receive love. And this will help you in your marriage. This will help you in your relationship. You give naturally the way that you want to receive and what true love does is not try to try to get someone else to speak your language what true love does is takes the time to learn someone else's i'll tell you when anniversary comes around now i save all kinds of money we get the sweatpants out we turn the movie i'm like you can have four movies i don't even care I'm being generous. Like, get a, let's change sweatpants every couple hours. I mean, just like, let, let's just live large. Let's order pizza. She doesn't eat pizza. This, this. Love has a cost. It has a cost. If love doesn't have a cost, it might be selfish. If love is not, if your relationship with Jesus is not costing you something, you could be in it for the wrong reasons. 
If your marriage isn't costing you something, you could be in it for the wrong reasons. If your friendships are not costing you something, you could be in it for the wrong reason. Because true love has a cost. It has a cost. If you say you love the Lord and you don't give to him, I doubt your love. If you say you love your wife and you're still planning fancy dinners and Corvettes, Dustin, I doubt your love. But because I loved her, I had to learn her. And I realized that true love has a cost because what I want to give to her out of true love is different than what I would have chosen for myself. But because I love her, I prefer her. This is why a lot of marriages never work is because it's the fight to get what you want for 25 years. Fight, fight, fight. Would you stop? And learn someone else's, well, I don't know. I'll never get what I want if I always give them what they want. This is the kingdom of God. It's upside down. If you would actually sow in love, you might actually get the thing that you've been longing for. But you never know until you try it. Mary moves herself past the crowd, past her sister, past her brother, and came to Jesus. And this is what the Bible says, is that jar of perfume cost, like we said, a year's salary. And she didn't just dribble out a little bit. She didn't pour a little bit. There was no, there was no reservation in Mary. The honor that she had for Jesus said he deserved it all. The third one is this. True love is non-refundable. It is non-refundable. Man, you ever bought something? This is a risk. You ever bought something that's non-returnable? Like you buy something and it's expensive. And they say at the register, oh, you're about to buy. It just happened to me the other day. I was buying something and the guy says, this is clearance. Like just so you know, this is non-returnable. I'm like, ooh. I don't know. Like, you might have to cut another 20% off for me to take a risk on because when it's non-returnable, you're, you're in it. And most people love on a scale. I'll give a little bit and you give a little bit. I've been giving for a couple weeks, now you give for a couple weeks. And we weigh it out. Look all that I've done. Look what all that you've done. Look how it measures up. No, true love is non-refundable. Which means this, that I give love without the expectation of a return. I give love without a price tag. I give love without a hidden agenda. I give love because I love you, not because I want something from you. And in relationships, in marriages, and in our relationship with Jesus, we do the same thing. We love because of what people or what he can do for us. Well, you raised my brother from the dead. Now I'm going to serve you. But that's not Mary, not Mary. Because when she walked up to Jesus with this jar of perfume, now I need you to catch this, with this jar of perfume, she could have poured it on his feet. She could have poured it out. But the text says she didn't pour it. The text says she broke it. That she completely emptied it. This is what's really interesting. Because if you open something, you can also close it. This is how most of us live on our relationship with Jesus, is we open up a little bit to him because he's, des he's deserving of a, at least a Sunday a month. Oh, he's deserving of a service a week. He's just, so I'll open it up a little bit. And this is why your relationship with Jesus never works because it was never meant to be open and shut. Though your relationship with God is not about open today, closed tomorrow. Your relationship with God is about broken. Scholars tell us that once that perfume was emptied, once that box was broken, that it lost its value. 
Now this is crazy. Once the perfume lost its value to the world is when it became valuable to Jesus. If she would have tried to please the world, she would have tried to preserve the value, hold something back. And this is how many of us serve God. I think I'm going to try him out, but I'm going to hold something back just in case it doesn't work. And that's why it's never worked for you. It's not about a scale of love. Jesus, you did a little bit, now I'll give a little bit. It's about you've done so much. I love you, Jesus. If you never do another thing for me, I want to serve you. I'm committed to you. I'm giving myself to you. I'm, I'm breaking Myself at your feet. I'm ruining the value of this value that that, that, this this stuff that I'm saving for the world. I'm leaving it. If it's not if it's not broken, you have the ability to save some. An unleashed church is a broken church. An untamed church is a broken church. An undomesticated church is a church that's broken. Before Jesus, not giving him a piece or a portion, not measuring out love, but a church that is recklessly abandoned, recklessly committed, and broken at the feet of Jesus. Mary said, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what's been going on. I have to be at the feet of Jesus. And at the feet of Jesus, she didn't hold something back. It wasn't a show. She destroyed the value of the perfume in her hand that was so valuable to the world. She destroyed it to be able to give it all, to be able to pour it all out on Jesus. If you're watching this, wherever you're watching this, I want you to know this, that your relationship with God is not about giving him a piece or a part, measuring out some love. True love, it'll cost you, but true love's non-refundable. It's a love that you, it's a love that you give all the way. It's a brokenness. It's interesting, there's a couple instances in scripture where he says, wherever the gospel is preached, this story will be told. It's interesting. Why would you tell this story? When the God, what does this have to do with the gospel? When the gospel is preached, why do we tell this story? The reason we tell this story is because it's a perfect picture of what the gospel is. It's not about opening our hearts for a day to God or closing our hearts open and close, open and close. It's about brokenness. The Bible says if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. Whenever Christianity becomes about gaining to ourselves, measuring our love to God and measuring what we give and when we give, we'll never experience the true blessings of what it is. Christianity becomes real to us when we break what's valuable to the world and we give everything to God. I don't know who this is for, but someone you're watching, you're married, and the reason you haven't seen breakthrough in your marriage is because you keep on holding something back. You keep on holding something back, maybe, plan B, plan C, holding something back. You open and shut your heart to your wife. I'm gonna tell you, sir, it's time to break. It's time to break. It's time to break the allegiances. It's time to break the fantasies. It's time to break the things that keep holding you back in yesterday and in your past and for the plan B's and plan C's. It's the brokenness. It's the, it's the, what happened when she broke it? I want want to read this to you one more time. It says, and the house was filled with the fragrance 
of the perfume. There is a fragrance that comes from a worshiping heart and a committed believer. There is a fragrance that comes from someone that's in love with Jesus. There's a fragrance that begins to fill your marriage and fill your house when you're in love with Jesus. There's a fragrance that will fill a city when we begin to love Him with all our hearts. There's a fragrance that's released from brokenness. There is a scent, a smell, a fragrance, an aroma before heaven that's released when believers give themselves I believe this with all my heart that God is raising up a church that is unleashed, that's undomesticated, that's untamed, that will love God with every part of who they are, that will give themselves entirely to Him. I believe this even now that God's raising up contingent remnants of people all over the world that are burning with desire for the things of God, that don't care what people think, that understand that there's a cost but are willing to pay it. And understand this thing's this thing's non-refundable. This thing's non I didn't try Christianity. I met Jesus. I'm not trying Christian principles. I met a Savior. I'm not doing a duty like Martha serving a Savior. I want to be like Mary. I want to get at His feet. And I want to give Him everything that I have. And I'm not even worthy to anoint His head. So I give the best of me to the lowest part of him because he's worthy. That's true love. That's consecrated love. That is unconditional love. It's love that'll change the city. It's love that'll change a nation. It's love that'll bring your prodigal son home. It's love that'll save your marriage. It's, it's true love. It's true love. Maybe the reason I haven't seen what I want to see in some areas is because I've opened my heart in some ways and I've closed it in others. And God's waiting for Maybe he's waiting just for a broken heart. God wants me sad, not, not broken as sad. Broken as ruined, ruined for the world. Ruined for any other option than for him. And this is what I wanna challenge you as we close. I wanna challenge you to be ruined for any other lover, any other type of love, any other commitment than the love that you have for the Lord. In 2021, there will be opposition there will be struggle. There will be persecution. There will be people that won't, that, that, that won't think what you're doing is popular. There will be people reclining with Jesus and have no honor for him. There will be people serving Jesus and have no honor for him. But what God's asking of you is to have an unconditional, unleashed love. An undomesticated, untamed love. That will get at the feet of Jesus. And break. You know, if you never break before God, when you feel like God disappoints you, you can close off to Him. You know, in your marriage, if you never break before your spouse, really go for broke, when they disappoint you or hurt you, you can close. But once you're broken, it's not open or closed. It's called poured out. And the fragrance comes from what's broken. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I think we got to be careful that we don't give the world a domesticated picture of love that says, oh, just open your heart to him for a moment. To be the aroma of Christ, we have to be the example of Christ, which is a life laid down on this Valentine's Day hopefully you're 
honoring the people that you love, relationship with, all those marriages out there you're taking. But I'm, I want to say this. On this Valentine's Day, I hope that you find your true love, and that you really break before him, that you open your heart, that you give yourself entirely to him, that you don't let anything get in the way.